We heard it just a moment ago, but here again, the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. After the birth of Jesus, Mary wraps him in swaddling cloths, lays him in a manger. And beginning in verse 8 of chapter 2 of Luke, we read, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. On Sunday mornings through the season of Advent, we as a church have been waiting. We've been holding off our, our, our celebration of the coming of Christ so that we can feel the, the sense of longing and waiting that the people of Israel felt for over 400 years waiting in the silence, uh, for, uh, silence of God for a coming Messiah. Well, church, the wait is over. The Christ child is born. The Lord of creation has taken on flesh and made his home among us. Promises long hoped for are now present realities. It is time to celebrate. It is time to rejoice. It is time to sing with the angels on that Bethlehem hillside, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is pleased. From this passage of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, we find several reasons, several realities that give us cause to celebrate at the birth of Jesus. First of all, we can celebrate God's grace to the lowly. God's grace to the lowly. The birth of Jesus takes place among some of the humblest people on earth in that day. Certainly, Mary and Joseph were not people of high status, but neither were those who first learned of Jesus' birth. Shepherds were some of the lowliest persons of the ancient Near Eastern world. Theirs was a dirty, stinky, less than desirable occupation. Their work was hard, their days were long, their friends were few. They were often considered ritually unclean and even had a reputation for dishonesty. And yet it was to these kinds of people that the angels of heaven first declared the birth of the Savior of the world. Friends, each of us is lowly whether or not we recognize ourselves as such. Each of us have made ourselves outcasts from our relationship with God by our own sin. And yet the love of God has compelled him to send a Savior for lowly and undeserving people like you and me. It is not coincidence that those in this life who are most humbled by their poverty, sickness, humbled by their oppression, are often the most ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. This is by design. For God makes himself readily available to those who are humble in spirit, like these shepherds. If you are lowly, God has extended grace to you in the birth of Jesus. Rejoice in that. Celebrate God's grace to the lowly. Also, celebrate God's good news. Celebrate God's good news. Did you notice how the angel delivered the announcement to these shepherds on that hillside? 
He said, I bring you good news of great joy. Now the word, I bring you good news, comes from the same word that we translate into our our English Bibles as gospel. The good news the angel brings is of a Savior in the line of David, who is the Christ, the Messiah. He's the Lord. It's always good news when a baby is born. I love babies. Show me a baby, and I'm probably going to ask to hold that baby. Although not tonight, I'm getting over a cold. So. But this baby and this feeding trough, that night in Bethlehem is different. This baby is Christ, the Lord. And this is why his birth truly is good news. The birth of Jesus means that God's promise of the forgiveness of sins, of eternal life, and a Savior to bring all of this about has been fulfilled. Jesus is the answer to all of God's promises. God has made good on his word by sending his son to add humanity to his divine existence and to be our savior. This baby named Jesus will grow to a man having lived his whole life without the sin that we have committed against God. He will certainly teach about the kingdom of God. He'll call people to faith and repentance from their sin during his earthly ministry. But his whole life will ultimately culminate in his death on a cross paying the penalty that we are each responsible for because of our sin. His death would pay our debt of sin, but even more, his resurrection from the dead three days later would secure the way for our justification, our being made right with God, our creator. And because Jesus is raised, we can be made right with God if we simply turn from our sin, trust in the risen Lord Jesus, and lovingly submit our lives to his control. This is the gospel. This is the good news that Jesus was born to proclaim and to fulfill and to extend to each and every one of us. So celebrate the good news. Celebrate the good news that salvation is possible. Celebrate the gospel that God's plan to rescue you from sin and death is at Jesus' birth gloriously successful celebrate the good news third of all we learn that we ought to celebrate christ's birth personally what to celebrate it personally individually these shepherds after the angels leave their presence go quickly and privately to find this baby in the manger now luke doesn't tell us in this story but we can infer that the shepherds stood in that cave-like stable hovering over the sleeping jesus in awe and wonder of all that had taken place We can surmise that these lowly and outcast shepherds worshipped God privately and personally for having had the grace to appear to them first. Of all the people in all the earth, God chose them to be the first to meet the Christ child. Now, we don't know if the shepherds would finally come to trust Jesus as the Messiah, but I think it's fair to assume that they did. Luke tells us that they went away glorifying and praising God after all, doesn't he? But whether these shepherds trusted Christ personally or not should not be your concern today. Your concern today should be whether you have celebrated the birth of Christ personally by trusting him for your salvation. True worship begins in the heart out of personal conviction that God's word is true and that Jesus is the Christ that we all need. True celebration of Jesus' birth looks forward to his death and to his resurrection. And it reckons with whether we have received Christ in our own hearts personally. We sang before the Christmas carol, O little town of Bethlehem. And that final verse goes like this. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Friends, this Christmas, celebrate the birth of Jesus personally. 
by, if you have not already, receiving him as your Lord. Fourth and finally, the last reason we have, the last reality that we have to celebrate for, or reason we have to celebrate, is to, is to celebrate Christ's birth corporately, to do it publicly, to do it together. I love what the shepherds do after they meet the newborn Jesus. Verses 17 and 18 tell us that when they saw it, when they saw the baby and Mary and Joseph, all as the angels had said, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I find it interesting that once these shepherds have visited the Christ child and worshipped him personally, once they have grappled with the angelic vision and found the baby, Messiah, as they were directed, they cannot help but take to the streets of Bethlehem to tell everyone else that they can. The response of the Bethlehemites is, is interesting too, isn't it? When they hear the good news of Jesus, the Christ, the promised Savior, who's born in their hometown, they all wonder about what was told. There's a sense of awe, a sense of of, of even reverence in them at this news that they have received. The shepherds, though, do not stop at having visited Jesus and even shared the news with others, but they go on their way, as Luke tells us, back to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. These guys are celebrating and worshiping the birth of Jesus together and in public because it is a worthy event to do so. They know that what they have seen and heard is too good of news to keep secret, and it's too meaningful for the people of Israel to keep to themselves. Because they have received Christ personally, they cannot but worship Him publicly. Now in our time together tonight, in song and now through the Word of God, we have had opportunity to celebrate and to worship Jesus corporately and publicly. As a group of people, a a family of faith, those of you who are uh, members of First Baptist West Albuquerque, I pray that your worship of Christ tonight and your participation with us comes out of your own reception of Jesus as Lord. I I hope that all of the joy and celebration that is filling your heart at the birth of Jesus tonight comes from your own personal knowledge of Him as Savior. But if you're not yet a Christian, we're still glad that you're with us. Our hope and prayer is that you have seen, for we who trust Christ, that Christmas is much more than trees and presents and lights and fun songs but that Christmas is a time of sincere worship of our God and King who died for our sins and rose again, our Savior born at Christmas. Here at First West, we love Jesus. And we love putting Him right at the very center of our worship each and every Sunday morning. And at Christmas, it seems all the more natural and easy for us to to do this as we set our minds on His birth. But Christ himself has given us a means by which to worship and to remember him corporately, to remember him as his body, as his family of faith, as the church, to remember him in a tangible way. And tonight we'll share in a public declaration of the good news of the gospel of Jesus by sharing the Lord's Supper together. This small meal of bread and the cup symbolizes for the Christian the body of Christ that was given for our sins and his blood that was shed for our forgiveness. We know that Christmas means very little without the cross and the empty tomb. Because this is a Christian ordinance, the Lord's Supper that we're taking, with significance for those who are sincerely trusting Christ as Savior, we ask that only those who have made a public profession of faith in Jesus and and who are walking consistently in repentance of their sin take this meal with us. Now, if you're not yet a Christian, in just a moment, you may remain seated when we come to take the elements of the Lord's Supper. Or... Uh, If you're here with a friend or a family member, we would invite you to accompany them to the table and just observe what is happening 
Ask your friends questions about why we eat this little bit of bread and drink this, this cup together. And we do not believe that there is anything magical about this bread or this cup. We do not believe that we are more worthy of God's grace for having taken it. But rather we believe that as we take this bread and cup, we are worshiping as the body of Christ in a public way. And all together for the work that he did on our behalf in his death and in his resurrection. Again, just a moment as we prepare to take the elements. You do not need to be a member of First West to take this meal. But we do ask that you have made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. And to be living a lifestyle currently that is consistent with your faith in Christ and your repentance from sin. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and ask God to help us to prepare our hearts to take this supper together. And as I'm praying, the, uh, our deacons will come and stand next to these tables. As I finish praying, uh, I would invite you to come forward and receive the elements. Uh, grab a little piece of the bread and, and one cup and take it back to your seat. Uh, and wait as we'll all together take the elements uh, in unison. So don't, uh, don't eat and drink right away, but wait for the rest of us. And we'll do it all together uh, as those trusting in Jesus Christ tonight. Uh, it would make it most easy as we come forward if our two center sections would use the center aisle to come forward and the two sections uh, along the wall, if you would use the, the aisle along the wall to come forward and receive your elements and then each use these uh, sort of center side aisles to return uh, to your seats after having received your elements. And as I said, once we're all seated uh, and have our elements together, we'll read some scripture and take the Lord's Supper together. Let me pray and deacons, you come.